I feel like a bruised turd. Thanks to uh, a very special, special person in my life. Taking me out, showing me a good time last night. All the way from South Africa. Radcliffe Robertson. <laughs> How you doing, old buddy? Awesome, Kev. Awesome. You know, the question everyone is always dying to ask. How do you get that good deal on those tactical distributor pants you're wearing? Unpossible 15. Gets you 15% off. <laughs> these epic pants. Amazing. I don't know where the socks came from, but... Um, so what do you like about these pants? These pants? Mm. Zips or flush? Flush Not, zips. Flush zips. Nice and tight. They're a little bit thicker. So, biggest thing though, they're not that like canvas material where they, like when you're walking, they're all loud and, yeah, no, I hate that. Yeah, that's no good. That's not tactical. No, no. So that would be from untactical distributors. You get pants like that. <laughs> and you're definitely not getting 15% off, that's Mm-mm. for sure. Mm-mm. So, yeah. And then the other pants that we have, because, you know, like real tough dudes always like a little bit embarrassed to wear knee pads. And you've seen the environment we hunt in, so... I- it's, you can a, it's just shocking. Them in there. You know what's shocking to me about knee pads? What's that? The volume of knee pads that Jay has. Why does he have so many knee pads? I don't know. I think he's got a sore throat, so he's not here today. <laughs> <laughs> what is that you say? Rougher than goat's knees? That's what. Yeah, Jay's rougher than a goat's knee. Oh, I miss Jay, so I'm going to talk shit about him. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Radcliffe. So Mm. so we tacked the squeakies last night. Oh my god. Squeaked the tackies. (laughs) What the fuck ever, man. You said you look rougher than a ghost knee this morning. (laughs) I feel like it. I wear my sunglasses. It's so bright in here. Uh, yeah, so we got after it. There's not not a lot to do here with this uh, obnoxious amount of snow we got going. Well, I hope someone just puts a picture on of what's going on outside because it's cold. It's so cold. It's a shitstorm out there. It, well, it's it's a snowstorm. Yeah, yeah. Which is the shits? It is shit. I agree. Because mm-hmm. we we should be out there shooting again today. Can you imagine this was like the early nineteen hundreds and we had no heat. I'd be bundled up. I'd look like the fucking Oros man. To be as as tough and incredible as you are, like. I mean, you are quite the adventure companion. I want to. I, I want to give you props there, but you are a huge pussy when it comes to the cold. Like, the like, all of your skin's made of vagina. And who doesn't like a vagina? Uh, I, uh, the Tiger King. Yo, know, that's rough. <laughs> <laughs> Did you watch the second one of those? No, <laughs> it's fucking it made crazy. Me feel dirty, just being a. I don't know. I can't even believe Almost that. just like made me ashamed to be in a white man watching that. Like, that was horrible. Just He's, mm. ugh, that show was impossible to watch. Well, if you watch the second one, it, I can't believe this shit actually goes on. Like, it, it's insane. They're all batshit crazy. The whole fucking lot of them. Rick, Rick James' cousin Rick. said that um, meth is a hell of a drug. Uh, I thought you were talking about Ricky Bobby. Ricky Bobby. Ricky Bobby. If you don't shoot Big Red, then fuck you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did go barefoot in the snow yesterday. It, it was one of the more ridiculous things I've seen you do. Unnecessarily, because you ridiculous. called me out though. Well, you you, you were Ask Mitch. quite a pussy. I was in the snow barefoot. 
Not when I called you out. You were in, in by the fire whining like a little girl when I called you out. I wasn't. I was just drying my feet off. So I had some traction before we lit those targets up. So, all right. So we've spent <laughs> the better part of a month together here. Mm-hmm. So um, I left a month ago. We got back a couple of days ago, I guess. Or I don't even know what day it is. But I uh, went to the Dallas Safari Club show. Met, mm-hmm. met you and Andrew there. We hung out. Um, you guys went to Florida to see a, a client. Had a good time. Yep. So you got to enjoy some nice weather. And then uh, we met up in Vegas. Went to SHOT Show, and you were doing the uh, Safari Club International. That's it. And then we went to see um, a client of yours in Utah, Brett, nicest guy. He is. He got, oh, got it. So this guy's brother is like this incredible aerobatic pilot. It does, you know, gets paid to perform, and he's sponsored by, like, Lucas Oil or someone. Yeah, Lucas and, Oil, that's it. And so, um, speaking of being a huge pussy, I was a little bit afraid to go. I was not feeling my best. Um, but anyway, Rad loves flying as a pilot. And I, I, I just like to fly to get somewhere, basically. And so, he took Rad up in this little plane. Unbelievable. Uh, he's, he's a machine. He knows what he's doing. It was terrifying, just watching it. Um, so that was good. So we went there, and then uh, what did we do? Then we flew to Atlanta, picked my truck up, new truck, sweet truck, and drove all the way to New Hampshire. And I'm just wrecked, totally wrecked. And then all the dudes were so excited to see you here, they completely wrecked us. <laughs> and I can't wait to finish this and go to bed, basically. <laughs> we, we, they did wreck us. It was a long month. You're about to, So it's the off-season for hunting in Africa, but you're about to get back after it. Yeah. Yeah, we are. Whew. Well, I mean, this time next year, there's like, I've already figured out, you don't know it yet, but uh, next year, Dallas Safari Club, regular time. Mm. Then SCR, for whatever known reason, decided to move it to the 22nd of February. So I've got like six weeks between Dallas and SCR. Oh, so we're going to go on some hunts and stuff. So we're going to fly off the DSC. We're going to be flying our asses to Cameroon, and we're going to go shoot ourselves a Lord Derby Eland. Oh, I'm going with. Yeah, you shooting. Oh, that is yeah. so awesome. So that's when the dates are going to work out, Lord Derby. Yeah, so oh. we're going to do Lord Derby beginning of next year, sort of like uh, end of jam, beginning of Feb. And then after that hunt, we can fly back here together. I'll just leave my clothes, yeah. Yeah. And we go there, we go hunt, and then fly back. And then we do Safari Club. So cool. Yeah. Yeah, so so we'll have to post a picture for those that don't know. The, so the Lord Derby Elon, that's kind of like... Uh, it's like the goat hunt. I mean, that's. I don't. We're gonna have to start fishing a- after that in the bongo. I don't know what else we're gonna go around the world oh, and hunt. We're kind of running out of stuff. Leave that up to me. Because we we um by the time this airs, when this airs, we'll probably actually be in Africa trying to shoot an elephant. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually a little nervous about this one. I wouldn't be. Yeah, I maybe I'm just trying to build the drama, but um. <laughs> Well, you are the queen. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> shots fired. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're gonna do. Speaking of shots fired, yesterday. So oh. we take your spoiled ass to the range, and you shot everything. I mean, yeah, you shot the honey badger. You shot the sugar weasel. You shot eight six. You shot full auto. You shot the MP five SD. You shot eight six gas gun. You shot. You shot everything. Shot everything. I, I got a. As much as I don't want to compliment you, you can shoot. Well, I mean, I, it was. It was. It's the guns, not me. 
Yeah, I, I believe that. Um, so, so Shit, you compliment your way, and you snatched that thing up and ran with it, <laughs> spiked it. Bam! Well, I tell um, you what. Yes, that yesterday was phenomenal. Like, yeah. what were the highlights so, for you? Oh man, the, literally the best trick ever made. It's so crisp, so sweet. It was phenomenal. And then shooting the first eight six gas gun, it was. Mm-hmm. It's a machine. Yeah. I tell you what, though, the minute that thing lands in South Africa, yeah. I need a new boat anchor, so I'm going to be just taking my Daniel Defense and tossing that fucking thing right to the front of the boat, and we'll be gone with that. Thing. Oh. Cannot I wait. Like Get the honey badger. Don't know what the name is for the gas gun 86, but uh, we'll figure it out. But I know, yeah. where, I know where my other gun's going. Man, we've killed some stuff with 86. We have. We have. Oh. It's been. Uh, it's been. Yeah, I mean, it's been pretty epic. For something that was developed and didn't really know what it was going to do, it was phenomenal. Uh, I mean, the 8.6 is no joke. Uh, I mean, seeing seeing the things that we've done with it now, I mean, whether it's the 16-inch barrel, 12-inch, 11, oh, man, we have slayed some big animals. Yeah, we've shot some shit with it. Worked and and, and it well. is hard. It's interesting because I've watched hunting shows for a long time, but now doing some of that, it, it is so difficult to consistently get good footage. It seems like it would be easy, but things happen it's not. on hunts so quickly. And, you know, trying to get all that footage is a oh, nightmare. I mean, it's it's tougher to get the footage than it is to, to hunt. I mean, and to be honest, me being a guide, I hate cameramen yeah. and love cameramen at the same time. Like... I feel sorry for them because their job is so difficult. They've got to be there and like everyone sees this footage and it's like, oh, that's perfect. It worked out so nicely. No one understands how many runs you had to do. Not not, not, not talking replays. I'm saying like how many stalks got yeah. screwed up when a cameraman's got to like, tr- you know, he's been paid to be there. So he's got to try and get the footage. But at the same time, he doesn't want to cock up your hunt. And he's yeah. sitting there and he like, oh man, the animal's right there, but I need to get that footage. And if I don't, someone's going to like, you know, rip my balls off. So a poor dude's got to try and stick the camera up and film over your shoulder. And then the sun's at the wrong angle and that animal's there. And the next thing it's just looks up. She gone. She gone. And it's like, I turn around. It's like, oh no, I just check his Sony sitting there and the cameraman's eyes are all, but you know, so I hate him in that time, but, at the same time, it's like, fuck, I understand. Yeah. You know, I've never really had to be a cameraman. You know, I don't really want to be, but they've got a tough job. And the footage everyone gets, and it's like so awesome. And it's, oh, they, oh, they wish they could have seen this. And it's like, dude, you don't know what the situation was. Like, Yeah, now watching, I have a whole different perspective going on several filmed hunts now. And when I watch these hunting shows and they get the perfect angle and shot, it's, I mean, the, the prep work that must go into that. Well, I've been on um, some of those hunts, and trust me, we've we've had it where you it's walk in. Aggravating for the hunter, I'm sure. Well, you, I mean, sometimes, you know, the hunter who's got this, he's trying to make this perfect video. And I've been in situations where you walk in to whatever it is, whatever animal. I mean, I've had it on an elephant before, where you walk in, and then it's like, okay, there it is, like, smoke it. No, 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 you can't. The cameraman's not ready. And it's like, have you, you got it. You're, you're ready. Yeah, he's ready. What about you? No, he hasn't got the right end. Yeah. And you don't end up taking the shot. It's like, guys, like, 
pull yourself towards yourself type thing. And, you know, you, I've had it where you go back to a spot the next day wearing the same clothes, same time of day, so the shadows are right, the sunlight's right, you go back to the same spot the next day and reenact the whole thing. Oh. Because, you know, where's... I don't want to do that. We, we've never had to do that. I mean, it's, it is what it is. Like, the footage is there, and um, you make it work. I think it's like Q in general. It's just, it's authentic, and that's the that's way we exactly should be it. filming the hunts. Um, I do think, especially after going to SHOT Show, um, a lot of the hunt videos have made people take notice of the cartridge. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah. that Kudu video is... Uh, I mean, the one that we, which could the one that just sat in the yeah where it went over, over backwards, backwards. Yeah. yeah 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 where you, you know because even in that video you can't tell how big that animal is right uh, we weren't able to get that that happened so quick and we we're just fortunate to get any footage yeah. really but you know I guess in that video we didn't put any pictures or anything of us next to that animal but you know that's the size of an elk and yeah it's not a small animal no it's a huge animal put put that that back dive of that uh, kudu up right now. Oh, that was so good. That was, I remember, um, there's, uh, it's always the things you remember about the hunts are never the things you would anticipate. But what is most memorable about that particular hunt to me was Thomas's reaction when I shot that and that thing flipped over Just backwards. Just back He had never seen that before and, um yeah and that i mean to me that that was a good indicator of how that video tells the story of eight six what you can do with um those you know fast twists well i mean i've seen obviously seen a lot of animals being shot a lot of big animals and what that eight six does with that fast twist i mean the best part of us i mean i love bonds x like your triple shot love it i mean and yeah, my awesome. backup gun my 458 lot I have 500 grain Bonds X. Yeah. Like, I love it. And you can always see when they petal, they always, like, go straight back. Mm. With that 8.6, it looks like... It looks like a fan blade. You know, it's, it's like... Yeah, twisted. twisted. So, it's... The cutting edge of that thing is phenomenal. I mean, you look what it did to the Eland, what it's done to Buffalo. I mean, the, it is... The Roan's a big animal, too. And, yeah, we smoked four buffaloes with it. Yeah. I mean, the... Do we, we don't have our own footage, or do we? No, it happened too quickly. No. Like, yeah. But I mean, seeing what it do, what it's done to Buffalo, going through a shoulder, breaking that shoulder bone, and going around and sitting on the skin on the other side. I mean, that's what you want a three seven five to do. Yeah. And I don't know the engineering behind it and how you guys figure all that shit out, but whatever you've done is right oh. because it operates. It, it's cool. And I mean, it's cool to hear from you. You've seen so many animals shot and big animals. And you're right. I mean, the buffalo, because I've told the story on here before that first buffalo we shot with it, where Ooh. that thing, yeah, snuck up on us nine yards. Yeah. And we had to get after it. And that, you know, first shot, and he took off. And then I put that other one in when he was going away right behind his shoulder. And then yeah. he, he turned to charge us, and I busted him. Yeah, that, that, that front that, shoulder. Your third shot. Yeah. He, I mean, he jumped in the air. That third shot, if you hadn't bust that shoulder, we would have been in a world of shit. Yeah. Like, it, it you know. Yeah. It, it was going to. You, you would have started shooting too. Yeah. 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 All right. So we're going we're gonna to turn things up. Go ahead and. 
I don't know where we were. It's not one of those psychologist things where you show me like pictures and I've got to be like butterfly or anything like that, is it? Everything looks like dick to you, right? No, other yeah. way around. <laughs> you look like a dick to everything. <laughs> Apparently. <coughs> Pull yourself towards yourself, man. I'm trying hard, trying to get right, man, but I feel like tickets. <laughs> what the fuck was that other thing it's you did? <laughs> she gone. All right. So, um, who, who's your favorite client? The dude that's in, in like brackets, Kevin, at the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> Why do we have so much fun hunting? Because we don't take too, anything too seriously. We do what we want to do. Like, we just, there's no set agenda. And that's the best way. It's like, and the best part is, I think a big, big part of it is, uh, you know you're coming back. So it's like, if we don't get something done now, we'll do it next time. And half the time, you don't have your dope. You've forgotten your suppressor. Hey, we don't we don't call me out on here, all right? That's not what we do. Uh, so that's for Reddit. Leave that shit in the comments, bitch, all right? <laughs> <laughs> it's not a real place. Yeah. I don't fucking care because it ain't a real place. Um, yeah. Well, we just... Because if there's anything I say, it's Radcliffe Robertson or Rad Clifford, if you will. Clifford yeah. the Big Red Dog. Yeah. yeah. Not, not the Dave Chappelle special. Not the Dave Chappelle. <laughs> um, and Rad and Africa are just good times. We, I mean, the best times. Oh, it's so wonderful. I, I, you idiots need to go. It's affordable. They're going to take great care of you. Any fear that you have is irrational. Um, you fly to the airport. They're there to pick you up. Everything's handled. It's so easy. The food is great. The people are wonderful. The, the, the most incredible scenery. And it is so affordable to hunt planes game in Africa. And people don't realize it. Yeah, they don't. But, you know, it's, it's, we're going to, you know, like, we're getting a message out there. And in about eight months, we'll have two or three fixes there with ooh, good optics ooh. on them. And, you know, if guys are, are watching this and they, they want to fix real bad, but they don't want to travel, um, and they want to hunt with a fix. We're going to have a bunch of them in camp. Yeah, that's awesome. So, yeah. That's awesome. I mean, hey, there's a reason that, that Roosevelt and Hemingway wrote about it changing their lives. Like, it's, it's you coming here to America, and it's wonderful. We get to hang out. I'd rather us be in Africa. Well, I think it, Africa allows you the freedom. Yeah, it's, it is you know, interesting to think about that because this is the live free or die state in America. You know, uh, allegedly we're so free. You, I definitely feel greater freedom in Africa than I do here. There always different compromises. I mean, you guys have everything that works over here, but over there it's backwards a little bit. But yeah, you have the freedom. I mean, you know what it's like when you're out there. You've got three, four hundred thousand acres and. There's not a cop in sight. You don't have to worry about the IRS busting your door down or something like that. It's it's freedom, you know. You can chop and change your mind. It's not like you have to be in that area today or we can do whatever we like. Yeah, I, I, I think you're really hitting on something because a lot of the things that that I, I think uh, as, a, as Americans, and, and easy for me to say being pretty spoiled, and maybe that is I'm the right one to say, it's it's most of the stuff that provides us comfort here is so unnecessary and 
Thomas, you know, is is um, since Jay's not here because he's like holed up with some woman or something. Who knows? But um, <laughs> you know, like being over there, the mild inconveniences that occur, it's it's just so in, insignificant. Like we have electricity, running water, and you know, fucking freedom. <laughs> I mean, it, it is. I mean, there's beautiful views. I mean. When we get over there, like, what, I mean, I, I think the one thing you and I talked about missing is probably the, the only thing was, like, women. <laughs> like, that was, like, it. Other than that. Women and pizza. That's what Oh, pizza. Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah. We did. Yeah, we got to get Kuda making us some pizza over there. Maybe well, we, I, can, we can hook that up. Yeah. I think I'm going to build a pizza oven at my place, like one of those outside ones. But that was the thing is, is it's a, it's a trade-off, right? Uh, for those small inconveniences, you are, you're just in full-time adventure mode and nothing compares to it around here like uh, jay and i are always joking about it you know w- i've been over there a few times and coming back to exeter new hampshire you know like uh it's it's hard to look at for about a week or two it, it makes you back for it it actually makes me feel like a dumbass like why the fuck am i living here like these kids are ruining my life <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. If well, they're never going to listen to this. So I don't have to apologize. But that's the thing, though, is also as you um, get out there, you can go hunt on a ranch in Texas and go do whatever you want to do. And I'm not taking anything away from it, but you've got cell service and your phone is operational. So you out there, you sitting in your box blind or whatever it is, you know, you still got service. You can text. You can get an email from work. You've you you don't actually completely shut down. Yeah. Whereas you come over there, and when you leave the lodge, it's Bye-bye to any service, anything. You literally can just shut down and focus on what's in front of you. You have service. You're sitting there. It's like you have a look at the yeah, view. You I, do this. I agree with that. You go out there. It's like, well, fuck, I don't have my phone. You can't like sit there on Insties or anything like mm-hmm. that or Snapchat and shit. You just, you out there, you're living it and you're enjoying it. Um, Being fully immersed in the moment which is so hard to do and so hard to find in today's day and age and that's it yeah yeah being fully engaged because it is interesting like you, you know you guys have that cell tower on top of the the mountain there so we have that one spot on top of the mountain where you get cell service but you know that's on something that's half the size of rhode island and then it's like you're at the lodge and you have wi-fi that's other it. than that and it's it's so it's so nice because you know i think for me it started with um I'm I'm really never able to disconnect from work, and I don't think that's unusual. But I I, I think in Thomas, well, I mean, you'll understand to some degree. But in, in Red, you know, you don't have children, so you won't. But it's it's like once I had kids, like I can never completely shut down and disconnect from everything. Like you just, it's so impossible. You know, like Aiden earlier, he and his girlfriend going to get a sandwiches and freaking snowing here and they're driving two miles like i'm worried non-stop until they come back oh it's understandable i know that's like those little shits i'm so glad they're becoming adults where i can be like you're your own problem i'm not even going to worry about you anymore i'm sure it can never happen but it is it is great you're right if you're in america it's so hard to get like if only hunts that interest me in america now i still love whitetail hunting it's great i love seeing whitetail awesome but it's i want to do alaska that yeah. would be epic. And, and and like real elk hunting where you're disconnected and you generally don't have service because you're, you know, out for a couple of weeks in the mountains. Like that I'm interested in. But the rest of hunting here after going to Africa, it's, I mean, it's not just 
how beautiful it is and the culture and the people. Like we all talk about these things and love those things. Um, and it's so different than just the ignorance that us as Americans think about Africa. I mean, it is so incredible. And yeah, but get me to go on a hunt here in America now. I'm like, yeah, I don't. What? When? Is it free? No, there's a lot of stuff. But I mean, it was also awesome. It's also like I know watching the whole the progression of eight six, yeah. and obviously now they're literally the best trick ever made. It truly is. I mean, like just feeling that thing. I almost feel like it's a paintball gun. You can just sit there and just <laughs> axle brawn that shit. You know. Um, but having having all the engineers out. You know, when we had all the guys oh, come yeah, out, yeah, yeah. it's pretty awesome when you get to go out that when you think of something or an idea, you can't act on it immediately because you've got no one to text or like, hey, let me phone Jimmy from engineering and you can give me a, an answer and you start, you, you actually get to think about it and you sit there the whole day and you're out hunting and you process and you throw a few ideas around and then having the engineers there and you guys get to shoot the shit, but you're not like immediately somewhere where that you can contact someone and start making plans and you get to actually go through it and watching you guys do that and having all that i mean and last night seeing mitch and nick and drew and the boys again really was epic and yeah. oh, the parts that i remember yeah i've got a pretty good memory yeah i did if you had seen yourself at 1 30 a.m oh, oh my i man. can't imagine like judging by my room when i woke up i can't imagine what was going well, I mean, I, I don't know. It's it is sad. messier than a whore's handbag, I promise you. Oh, I, I know I must have been. One of the yeah. nicest things to be able to catch up with you guys is when you have a really good time like that with someone and you like your crew. I mean, you guys have had some awesome guys over that first trip you came on with Ray and Danny and the boys. Oh, yeah. And it, it was awesome. And then, the, you know, then Field Ethos had a few guys come out another nice trip where we had Pat Hemingway and oh, John Hill yeah. and them. Oh, yeah. And, and, and that, Cole Houser. Yeah. And, uh, then we had the you come out again with all the engineers, and then obviously Jose. Shout oh, out. Jose. If he's watching this, shout out. It, Disappointed not to see you in did, New Hampshire. Did you see this? So when um, speaking of that, well, I want to say a couple of things. It, it is interesting. Like that trip changed the lives of all the engineers, and it's so cool. You get to be a part of that, and you're an integral part of that. So now, it's. Oh, thank you. Um, so now like these guys they love you like i do now you've got like you, you know real friends that you've shared these incredible experiences with not just guys you go you know that that you meet at the pub and have like a beer with these are guys that you got to experience something that was life-changing for them and you were part of it so oh, they could not wait for you to get here oh man but they're just good guys and it's chatting to those guys and seeing them and like when to be honest when you first pull out the fix at the airport that very first time i looked at that thing and i was like what the fuck is this <laughs> it's like it's a chassis it's got like this it looked like a like Shashi. a one of those what do you call it like a an outline like one of those pencil Pen, like, penny peelers no man no that's the axle brawn oh. but like a stencil like the outline of this, uh. I looked at this guy and i'm like what the hell and then i saw like the folding stock and then the you know, your, your hinge that you guys designed. And then having the guys that made this thing, except, for, you know, Ethan wasn't there, would really enjoy it if he was there. But, you know, having the other guys there and having the guys that actually developed this thing, it was freaking awesome. Now I understand it. Like, and yeah. I can't wait to get it. I know you guys think, like, talking about the fix now is boring because you've covered it. But for someone like me, we don't have that in Africa. 
And I can't wait to get it yeah. over there. I mean, I've had so many guys that actually follow you. I mean, you saw Chris Broster's kid. Yeah. I mean, a 13-year-old kid or 12 years old, whatever he is, in the middle of Africa, following you on Instagram is like, the fix. I had yeah, a buddy of mine reach out. I was like, how the hell do you know about this thing? He's like, dude, do you not know what that gun is? Yeah. Now I do. Remember that uh, like Chris came and brought his kid from like a few hours away and he just wanted to meet us and see the gun. And yeah, and so then we went up to his place in the mountains there and his kid got to, he shot a, what, a Stenbach? Stenbach with it, uh, yeah. And, and what are those little... Uh, Dussies. Yeah, the rock rabbit, yeah. yeah. Shot those. Yeah, he had a great time. Yeah, it's so cool to see. But it, it really is different. And and being there and being around a lot of you and you have traditional rifles and then I have my little lightweight gun, the stock folded and slung and I can shoot real quick and kill everything. I prefer it. I think it's an improvement. But speaking of Jose, so when I was thrown out of advanced armament, I had an a office that was about twice as big as this podcast room. And, um, you know, it was decorated similar. There was stuff everywhere, skateboards hung up, a bunch of art, stuff people would send me. And so uh, the, the Remington losers, what they did was they auctioned off all of my personal stuff to the employees. Like, how douchey is that? Well, you did break Remington, so. Uh, well, I like to think they broke themselves. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't push them down the stairs. I tried to say, hey, we, we, we you just, shouldn't. You just threw careful. the banana peel on the floor so they can <laughs> slip and fall. Whatever. So uh, so this was hanging in my office. Somebody had painted it and sent it to me. And so Jose apparently, this is like 12 years ago, I guess. No, 10 years ago or so. Um, Jose bought this. And now I've had several of the employees that got things from the office, skateboards, whatever, send them to me now. And so hey, Jose sent me this, this painting. And this is the best part. He didn't, he didn't even realize it was upside down, I think. But um, after all these years, you can have your emo shit back. <laughs> Love Jose. <laughs> He's such a trooper, that guy. He's the best. He's awesome. Oh, God, I love Jose. Uh, oh, man. Good. Um, yeah, but what a great time. I mean, for me, I, I would, I understand like choosing your lifestyle because like just, you know, I'm even getting jaded over there, but I, I feel like <laughs> I, I'm still in love, but, um, you know, like seeing Jose or seeing Nick or Mitch and catching up with those guys every evening and seeing how they just couldn't believe it and how grateful they were to be there and all these great experiences. And, you know, and for me, get, getting to take those guys over there and share it with them. But, like, you get that opportunity, like, every week with people. And I'm sure there's some clients that probably aren't as awesome as us. But, <laughs> but yeah, what a great time. Um, man, I could just go on forever about that. What's up, Thomas? So, you... Speaking of you doing this every single week, does it ever get old for you? It it does get old sometimes, but it's generally about, it's like everything. It's not where you are, it's what you're doing. It's, it's who you're with. So I'm very fortunate with the guys that come out with us. Um, and we have some fantastic clients. And, and everyone's different. Some guys are... A little bit more monotone and all oh, this way, that way. But you do occasionally get the odd guy and it's like watching paint dry. And you can see the biggest bushbuck or the biggest, you know, everyone knows how much I love a bushbuck. 
and uh, you can see this monster, and it's just like, uh, you know, it's just like mm, limpic, just, <laughs> it just, you know, that gets old. You know, you got to think about ten, twelve days with this guy, or, or and sometimes it's just he's got a great personality, and your personality doesn't gel. But Andrew's very good at like meeting people and talking to them. He's pretty good at lining guys up and matchmaking, um, client and PH. So I've got to admit, like, it's very seldom that I get bored. I mean, Kevin and I did an entire month together. We did two weeks in Mozambique, then came down. We did the rest of the hunt with the guys. Kevin was meant to go home with the guys, and he extended by three days or something. And right. that was awesome. Like when Kevin Brad left, was not happy. I'm telling you that extension. So we were together 31 days in like our. Who said I wasn't happy? The second day hunting in the Winterberg Mountains, Brad had such an attitude that I said, "Stop being a dick, or let's go back to the lodge." We we, okay. we, we were stalking. I had an up. attitude and. The wind was fucking howling. It was like being in Casper, Wyoming at this time of the year. It was howling. I'll take drizzle, rain, thunderstorm, cold over windy. He, he was you walking, his lady. I was not. <laughs> I got Pornhub. But when you got that wind like just panel beating you from the same side <coughs> and it's just coming in half your brain on this side, it's just like wind burned. I get the shits. And I'm allowed to get the shits. I can't be a fucking angel all the time. I, I, I don't think that literally means the shits, Thomas. I think I think he means he's grumpy. Yeah. So, yeah. But <laughs> we were did, we were literally like, I mean, it'd been you know it was like over 110 degrees in Mozambique for two weeks, and I mean we had our asses kicked there, and then Kevin had his ass kicked there. I was fine. <laughs> And then, uh, yeah, and then in South Africa, and then I was going to go home, and I'm sure Rad was like, oh, I can't wait to rest a little. And then it's like, hey, let's go to the mountains and hunt for a few days. And we're like, after this little fucking Stenbuck that kept outsmarting us, who basically unofficial number two in the world. <laughs> <laughs> but we're like crawling up this mountain. This little fucker's watching us. And, Rad just gets all grumpy with me in the middle of this crawl, and I'm like, "Take me home." <laughs> I wasn't. With he's talking such shit. I wasn't grumpy with him. I was grumpy with the situation, <laughs> and I speak my mind when that's the case. You know, oh, it is. I, I it do. is great. But yeah. honestly, when we did, we did 31 days together a month, and <coughs> had a great time. I could have oh, done another God. month, but there's some guys that after two weeks, I'm like, "Time for you to go home." <laughs> like I just want to panel beat the shit out of him by the end of it like press my buttons or it's like watching paint dry it's just monot it's just like just get the fuck out of here like just go home but it, it is that I, is very seldom though that well, is not very often I, I, I will say about Rad like I wish you had been there to video him when I shot that Sharps Grace Buck in Mozambique because out of the tiny tin, that's probably the toughest or one of the toughest to get. Oh, yeah. And um, you rarely see them, and when you do, it's just like a streak. They just, like, run by. And and uh, when, you know, we were actually checking lion bait, and it ran across in front of us and just stopped long enough for me to, to, to get out and shoot it. And you would have thought that Rad won the lottery when I shot that thing. 
like the reaction and having a ph that you know it's it's like the 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 famous story with me and mike murphy and jason vincent about the fallow you know where he and i you know trying for a couple weeks to find a good fallow deer and and then we're just (laughs) sitting there and mike just sees it and he's the only one of us that saw it and then rad you know it was just like having someone that gets that excited that you hunt with it's just it's just a <laughs> next level it's just it makes it so awesome like i cannot imagine if i had missed that grace buck oh, or geez. not shot it you would have walked home <laughs> and we just, i mean there was lions everywhere and there was well not everywhere but i mean there are lions around there's elephants i would have made him walk I promise you, I would have, I would have been so grumpy. Uh, it, but yeah, but it was. I mean, it, everyone was so excited and I think relieved when we finally uh, shot the lion. But that grace buck, I mean, just it, it just makes it so much better. And I appreciate it. Like being out with someone who, yeah, that's your job. And maybe you don't like your clients. And, you know, I don't know. Like maybe I'm high maintenance and tough to deal with. But it's uh, having someone that you hunt with and that's their job and they get that excited. Like you would have thought, he shot it. It, no, it, it was it so good. I just I knew we were gonna get the lion. It was just a matter of time. We were gonna get lion. I was never nervous about that. But that grace buck was. I mean, it's. And the big thing is, is shooting the grace buck during the day. They're very nocturnal, so being able to see one during the day, and they are really tough because, where his ears come up quite often at the front of their ears, they've rubbed all the hair off. So, this, you know, you can see the skin. It sort of goes like black and it dark. And the, and the horns don't sit in between the ears. They sit like in front of the ears. So it is freaking yeah, difficult well, to see if he's got horns or not. So it's like he's got to hopefully turn. If he's looking straight at you, you've really got to focus because you can cock it up. Yeah, the, the horns kind of go right. They're black. And we'll post a picture now. But we're right where the front of that ear is. And, the, you know, like... One inch horns are huge on those things. It's a tiny animal. So, yeah, oh, I mean, it was, it was he and another PH were looking at it. You know, I, I get out, I've got the gun up, and I'm just waiting for them to say shoot it because I can't see if it's got horns or not. And they're both with binos looking. And finally, Rad's like, shoot that fucking thing. I was cool, calm, and quick. I was like, he's like, shoot that thing. Excuse me, Kevin, would you mind shooting that? Thing? And don't. Miss. <laughs> if I had missed, oh, oh my boy. lord! Because oh. I've been talking about this thing, and it's one of the very few he had, places. He was that so I've excited been. when he said we were going to go that we might have a chance to do that, and I was like, "Who cares?" But I do. Yeah, he did. But I mean, we had John with us, and John Forsyth is another guy. He was filming the hunt, and uh, but also great dude. And luckily, he was sitting in the back seat, so when we were busy looking, he was behind me. He could, he got a slightly different angle on it. And he just saw something. He's like, I think it's got horns. And then it turned, and then I got a little visual of it. And I was like, okay, Kevin. And uh, and the big thing with those as well, I mean, he had the 8.6, and, that, and that's a big bullet. And it was like, one thing you got told is do not shoot it through the shoulders. Like, just make sure you shoot it behind the shoulders, like in the ribs, because of the, the pure shock of that bullet will. And Kevin listened to me that one time, and he didn't blow it to pieces. And, yeah, we... We got it. It was, was freaking awesome, and we got like the most epic pictures because where we shot it, oh, it, it drops down into a valley place. behind yeah. us, and that valley that it drops down and that you can see, 
about a mile and a half up that valley is where we ended up shooting the lion. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, we were actually going to check those baits yeah, where we, we ended up we shooting. We had uh, yeah, three, three or four ba- three baits to check, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was cool. You're right. Where we shot it down that hill and in that valley, and there's that the 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 river and the rock face right there. Oh, it, it's it, it's so cool. I mean, you, you know, after going to their property, it's like every turn you make on the mountain, it's more beautiful than the last. It's just it gets stupid after a while, and then it's just like why why in the world do I live in Exeter, New Hampshire? <laughs> Damn kids. Yeah, not outside like now. <laughs> hey, this is this is a real snowstorm, Rad. You're welcome. Um, yeah, remember last year, though, on top of the mountain uh, there at Crusader, we shot uh, blue wildebeest in the snow. You were so cold. God, I've never seen you be such a baby. I've got bad circulation in my feet. <laughs> so I've got to wear, like, thermal socks. Uh, it was cold. And I there. can't fit thermals in my court knees because it's no? too tight. No. Mm. I'm going to get myself a pair of them Baffin boots. I don't yeah. know those. So when I went to Canada... Oh. 2015 then i like, got this insert looks like it's space blanket type stuff minus 50 Mm-mm. i'd be wearing that outside here yeah, now if i could you know one day we were doing a podcast and a uh bald eagle landed right there where my truck is yeah, i saw that i remember seeing okay. that yeah. flew past me over here thomas saw i thought someone there. said something and you were just trying to like divert from the conversation mm-hmm. i'm like ah that's that's sneaky that's nifty yeah no real bald eagle right there i bet that fucker's not out flying today or hmm. <laughs> not here he's somewhere where it's warm it's fossilized that i was now oh. it's sitting there just frozen um yeah oh so many great times that we've i mean just last year i mean how many i mean we spent two months together last year hunting yeah at least and then just last year oh my god the experiences the lion hunt was so epic and so interesting and i got to learn so much and i was just so fortunate that it was you and john and alex like that i had the three of you guys and kidmore with us who has been a tracker as long as you've been alive yeah, no, he's he's a machine, and Kidmore. Yeah. Fortunately, you never got to meet and spend some time with Gezan. Yeah, that is the big guy. He's a big dude. That, he's yeah. a giant. I, I met mean, him. You watch that guy. He takes a forty-four gallon drum of diesel, the back of the Land Cruiser, and grabs it, and stands up and literally puts it down. Is this Mozambican that? Um, he's actually yeah. He looked like a strongman competitor, just a huge giant man like Judson. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Who? who we, yeah, I saw him a couple times. He, he was funny as shit too. He is a funny guy. It's quite nice because when I worked in Zambia, you you learn to speak this like they called it Chilapalapa up there, which is like Fanagalo, which is a mixture of languages from Shona and Debele, Gova. There's a whole bunch of different languages yeah. they mix in, and it's quite nice because I can communicate with him. Where Kidmore, Kidmore's English is very good. Yeah. Um, we had, th- those guys were good. I mean, their their tracking abilities, all of them. Kidmore, Gazan, Nicholas. Uh, yeah, re- remember Thomas? We were um, so we had three trackers with us at once on the lion hunt. And when Rad and I went to, we were tracking this buffalo. Rad found this fresh lion track. And I've told the story probably in the podcast already, but where they tracked it for a, probably a couple miles, mm. these lions, and then where we split up you remember that and kidmore told us to go right follow there, the two yeah. younger guys and it was like this thicket and we knew we were close to the lions and i'm like oh my lord kidmore don't go don't go alone man 
But uh, m- remember those kids? They were like leaning over, tracking, and all of a sudden, both of them just fell backwards and started walking backwards. Like they walked up on three sleeping lions, like 20, 30 yards from them. Yeah, they had the, like, like, the reverse crab crawl. Oh, and it was so funny because they were like 15 yards ahead of us. So we stayed. And eventually, we were so close that Alex made us back up like another ten or fifteen yards. Yeah, and but it's funny they they reverse crab call or crawled. crawled back to us. But then I remember, like a minute later, I look to see where they were, and they were still doing it like a hundred yards behind us. <laughs> like they went, they they like they were never closer than a hundred yards to the lions the whole time after that. They've, they've seen some shit. <coughs> yeah. Um, What's happening? You're busy fiddling with that orange paper. I can see you. Oh, like, you want me to oh, ask you another one? Okay, no, here I we go. I didn't ask you. I just said you've been twitching with the corners there. I wasn't sure dude, it was cutting. Dude, I, I'm struggling today, all right? It's a struggle, Bill. So so bear with me, all right? We can't all it's be quite nice when you like us. You're a little bit like uh, Radcliffe Robertson. Just rad. But anyway. Rad. Radcliffe. Your mama named you Radcliffe. I'm going to call you Radcliffe. My full name is Radcliffe Stevens. Cat no. burglar cocked it up. What is it? Radcliffe Stephen Struen Robertson. Struen. Struen. That's the one that gets me because it sounds German, like a real word. S T R U A N. Struen. Struen. Okay, Struen. just flip the piece of paper. Oh, okay. So um, when I when I come and I'm a guest on your podcast, then you then you boss me around. All right. So that's <laughs> the way we're. How much is it? For a hunt in Africa, for a basic planes game you've never been, you want to get the Afri- African experience. So my advice on something like that mm-hmm. is do it out of the summer holidays because all your tickets to Africa over your summer holidays, June, July, August, expensive because everyone's traveling. And it's winter there. so it Yeah, it's winter with us. It's your summer. It's your north, north south. You know how it works? Mm-hmm. Quite in the middle. Yeah, there's one of those. Yeah, it's north-south hemisphere. So we're in the southern hemisphere. So book it out of it, like early early in the year uh, or later in the year. A lot of guys conflict because they don't want to come September, October, um, because that's when hunting in North America starts taking place. But tickets oh, yeah. are tickets. Sorry, not tickets. Tickets are cheaper then. And you come out. Let's say you you choose a couple animals. Um, choose like a kudu. And then some of your smaller stuff, black wildebeest, blessed buck, springbuck, mountain reed buck, warthog. I mean, you can shoot with your day rate, and your day rate gives you, obviously, all the booze you can drink, except for like Kevin and the field ethos guys. We've, we've got a uh, little container, like a little shipment, and it's got to come in especially. We almost broke, and if you guys didn't shoot animals, we would have like broken even. Anyway, running off topic here. But the, your direct covers all your food, your lodging, laundry gets done every day, guide, you know, vehicle, all that sort of stuff. I mean, you can shoot five or six animals and, and sometimes more. And, you, you know, you can have with your direct and everything like 10 grand. You think oh, you shoot a kudu, what is it, 13, 1400 bucks, and then a warthog for 450, 500. Yeah. You can. Yeah, I think you can literally go over there. Including your plane ticket for under ten grand for a week and a half. And yeah, come do seven days of hunting. Plane ticket, if you can get it for like fifteen hundred bucks, depending on the time of year, uh, to a thousand bucks, depending yeah. on the time of year, and your guide and everything like that. Seven days, 
10 grand, you, you'd have a really good time. A great hunt. You'd yeah. have a great I mean, just, I mean, when you think, you spend 10 grand in America to shoot any decent whitetail if you got to pay. Mule deer. What you, you do look at some of those muley hunts now, they're running 15, 16 grand. Yeah, you can't shoot an elk for 10 grand. You know, anything like this. And it would be worth it going over there for that price just to shoot the kudu. But it's so amazing, and people don't understand. Like, part of what makes it very special to me is, you know, if we go on a mule deer hunt, we're going to see mule deer and maybe the odd and in occasional animal. But there, you know, we go hunt a kudu with you guys and see 20 or 25 species of animals, big animals, tons of animals everywhere. It's just such a different experience that, you know, we know if we go on a deer hunt pretty much what's going to happen hunting in general is exciting because you don't know what's going to happen but you know i was just hunting with my buddy ben shout out to him in in alabama we, we have a wonderful time together and we sit in a blind and hang out and you know have some beers and watch deer but you know we know we're either going to see a pig or we're going to see some deer or like that's just it you know it's not like you and i where we turn the corner and there's a jackal there's a valerie buck yeah there's you know kudu there's bush i mean just the warthog like prancing around everywhere it's so it's just so fun it's it's such a different dynamic um but yeah i think the cost is just makes it so much more attractive and you don't have to wait till you're old and have retirement no everyone thinks you've got to have a pot of money but you don't i mean nope no it's the average dude can do it what'd you think of the honey badger after you finally got to shoot it the honey badger. Yeah. Like I said, I'm tossing my Daniel defense. Um, but I actually don't have one, but I just always wanted to say that. Yeah. Uh, but I'm, yeah, I can't wait. Like, the, I don't know where to start. It is all like too overwhelming. Like the honey badger and just the different silences and the different lengths. And, and I, I couldn't believe, like, you know, I just always thought it was like a plink around, play. But the accuracy of that thing, I mean, I had that little uh, aim point um, red dot on there. I mean, I was hitting the gong out at 100 yards of that thing. Yeah. It, it was phenomenal. So and fun. we had to sweep up yeah, I should brass in the, in the cabin yesterday. Rad shot, I don't know, you must have shot at least 1,000 rounds. I don't know, but we lit some shit up. Yeah, it was so fun. But then, you know, the honey badger was awesome. But then when you pulled out, the eight six gas gun, man, that's yeah. something special. Yeah, it's gonna be a home run. Cause you don't have access to guns like that. Oh, I mean, we can. We we. I mean, <clears throat> we can. You can get a Smith and Weston or a Ruger or I think it's the DM four, which is South African. I think it's called that. Don't quote me. Um, I've never really been that into it um, at home. Um, I've always wanted one and. But it's, you know, I've just sort of been trying to get my normal rifles up and running. And then this slick dude came into our lives and he's opened things up. And I've picked them up like we got, we had the R1, R4, the R, R1's your 308, you know, 7.62 um, military stuff. But it's just big, cumbersome, heavy thing. And you come on this little honey badge, it's this tiny little thing. And it's a freaking killing machine. And you just play with, not necessarily to hunt with. I just play with. 
But now we've got the 8.6. That's no longer just like a plinking play around. Like I've seen shit die with that. And and having that, I don't know. Honey badgers, like I want both. I can't uh-huh. choose. You know, if and if you've got a if there's a toss up and you're sitting at home like just figure out what you want to use it for. If you just want to mess around and shoot the occasional hog with a thermal, cool. The the honey badger is epic for that. I don't know what we're gonna call the eight six or what you guys are gonna call the eight six, but when that comes out, it's gonna take the market by storm. I mean that thing shooting that prototype yesterday was just oof. The Radcliffe Robertson. It is it is like that's a game changer. And it it's got when you I promise you now, when you hear that bullet, whether it's a subsonic or supersonic, especially this the subsonic, when you see that thing hit a plate, that half inch steel plate shits itself. I mean, it just gets the crap knocked out of it. I mean, you've seen all the stuff die with it. You've seen almost everything I've killed. You've been a part of it uh, with the 8.6. Um, you know, I think what we're going to do sometime later this year is Dave Stark from Discrete Ballistics, who... Um, I'll watch them. Yeah, I'll follow them. They've, they've got some good stuff. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to come out and shoot stuff uh, with you with subsonic 8.6. So to do the Just final... Hearing that bullet, I mean, if, you, if you've got the the drop and you've got your everything set up and the turrets, you know what you're doing. Jeepers, hearing those plates get hit yesterday, I mean, that washing machine... I mean, I wish there was tenor art in it, but anyway. <laughs> Hearing that washing machine get slapped by that bullet with a subsonic, oh, it's it's serious. Yeah. So we'll get to test, you know, the expanding subsonic bullets and see what we can kill with them. So that's going to be a lot of fun. That's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, man. Uh, all right, let me ask you some of these before I take another nap. Oh, Jesus. It's not you, Rad. You're incredible. I just I went too rad last night. I just I feel like... A bit incompetent, yeah. Yeah. What's your favorite animal to hunt? Smart ass man. Are we talking planes game? Or are we talking dangerous game? Oh, one of each. Planes game. What's your pushbuck? Oh, yeah, we got a pretty great video of that. That's exciting hunting. Yeah, I, mean, I just like pushbuck because uh, I don't know. Got, I mean, Felidae is pretty cool, but Felidae is not exactly you know you won't see it on our price list because it's not indigenous, but they. Got bought over a hundred and something years ago and they've done really well. Like, Felidae is awesome. But a bushbuck, it's just... I mean, I love Eland and the Farley, but they've all got their certain... You know, Eland's always good fun. And, you know, we had good fun at the Farley. Yeah, oh yeah. You know, we've had, we've had some... You know, especially when this child, the drone, was shouting at Thomas and telling him, like, pull up, pull up. And <laughs> stitch, stitches my dog. Mauled the drone. Um, it's not as funny <laughs> as when... when uh, Nick got hit by the drone, but <laughs> it was a good time. Was it you or just, you flew it to his face? Oh, yeah. Oh. Slap bang. Yeah. But uh, bushbuck, without a doubt. Just sneaky. It's kind of like your whitetail. Yeah. You know, and yeah, it's, I, I agree. It's, like it's, it's just nifty. He's shy. He's camouflaged. He's just an elusive animal. And he's a, I mean, wounded. He's no joke either. Yeah, got, got a couple of spears on top of his head. Yeah, I mean, every year guys get injured. I mean, a couple of guys die. Dogs die every year. I mean, it's he's nifty, he's sneaky, just fun to hunt. And I don't give a shit if he's 16 inches or 12 inches. If he's old ram and yeah, 
yeah, he, it just it's fun. Yeah, that's that's the most fun. It is. I enjoy getting to that place in my hunting life now to where. Yeah, that's what I want to do. Uh, I love when we shoot like something old with a broken horn or. Well, look uh, at the folly and that mountain reed buck that we got. Oh, that mountain reed buck. Jeez, let's picture that thing now. It's the oldest animal I've ever shot. Yeah, two stumps and, on the scene. Oh. And, you know, that was so great, too, because you see my trip before, I wasn't very prepared. But this last trip, I was ready to shoot stuff and did all the proper preparation, had all my dope. Um, it was just ready. And we had suppressors. Suppressors made it so much better. No thanks to moi. Thank you, Rad. Yep. Yep. No thanks to Christine, but Rad hooked it up. So and Christine's busy dealing with all the other shit that you've caused. Oh, don't give her an excuse. Christine's also watching currently, so it'd be nice. Ah, Christine. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, she's I'm awesome. on Christine. Team Christine. I love Christine. Um, I would as well. If I were you. <laughs> yeah, she takes good care of me. Um, but having the silencers. But we made some incredible shots on this hunt. That but, bless buck, 900 and something. There was the 22-inch fix with that awesome Leopold on the top. Yeah, 950. I, you know, I don't even think it's in the top three best shots we had on this hunt. To me, the Stenbuck shot was good. That was, I was proud of myself. That shot was good. Remember, it's like right when you were getting bitchy, and then I was kind of like, I, I was kind of spooning that rock. And remember? And, uh, uh, when, I, when I moved a whole bunch of stuff to make sure you were comfortable. I don't remember yeah. that part. Uh, okay. But um but that shot, remember he was just peeking out around the bush and he was so small. I was, was 100% a shot, confident. Yeah. And um it must not have looked very comfortable cuz you were wanting me to like move and and go prone. Well, I just wanted to make sure cuz I've seen you make other shots similar to that and you've with an animal like 12 times the size and you've cocked it up. Anyway, so you did make a good shot. I'll give it to you. I mean, you pump it was per- like perfect. And same thing with the steenbuck, same as like the great spike. Don't hit it through the shoulders and blow the thing to smithereens. It's a tiny little animal. And you made a brilliant shot. Thank you. I'll give it to you. That, um, you know, and it's good teamwork, too. Because you remember that uh, first, like I'd been shooting. I shot good on this trip. We shot a lot of animals. We must have shot like 30 animals that trip. I don't know. Uh, but um, Was that excluding the, the culling session we did? Oh, yeah, excluding that. So I guess yeah. all together I shot like 100 animals. But the um, you never shot that many animals on the culling pot. No, no, no. I felt like I did. I, uh, felt, I felt like I was going total random. Your shooting out the chopper was pretty subpar, but okay. If we'd had the honey badger with a red dot, oh my man, we would have smoked some shit. I think we had some good teamwork when you weren't being a shit. Like the um, one the, day the, when the wind was annoying me, now I'm a shit. Wind your neck in. You want your neck? You're going to get cupped. <laughs> Don't make me come over there. <laughs> I'll fly kick you over this table. To piggyback off oh. that last question, what is your favorite hunt been with Kevin? Like your favorite one animal oh. hunt? Jeez, like that's a tough question. It's like 100 animals. I know. Um,. The one where we shot that big folly uh, in the Stormberg, not the one horn with the picture, it was pretty he, cool. He, I mean, the wind was pumping there. It he, was far. It was not easy. We had to leopard crawl. We had to get into place. Oh, 
this is so funny because the question I was trying to ask him or that I was trying to – the thing I was trying to say was the teamwork. Like, once you have a good pH, you spend time together, the teamwork. And I was going to – this was the hunt I was going to talk about because I've been shooting great on this trip, and this was the last couple of days, and we're trying to shoot this one folly, and he was smart. And they live out in the open. They have great eyes, and they stay up on the mountains so they can see everything. We tried to get on him the day before, and he – sprinted down this mountain ran across the valley and went to a different mountain i mean he just like fucked right off and but that one yeah we had to leopard crawl down there and everything and we had like a 20 mile an hour wind so i'm shooting high angle and i'm shooting up on this rock ledge and rad's with me and we're just like in this basin sort of and the wind was coming straight at us and the folly is down here on this side of this mountain and um like my dope was good, my shot was good. When the shot broke, I felt great, but I shot over it. Well, we had the wind was coming straight at us, but then where the folly was, because it wasn't this valley that sort of tapers up. Where the folly was, looking through the spotting scope, the wind was slightly different. So we had like a, you know, yeah, and trying to judge what the wind's doing, sixty, you know, and and how far that was. I think 400 it was four hundred and. I was thinking this one was like 550, and the other one was, four. I don't remember. It, but it, w- it was far enough where we had a high enough angle, and the wind was coming. Every, you know, we had accounted for the angle, but we had such a strong wind, and when the shot broke, it was a good shot. And I shot over it, and you hear in the video Rad correcting me, and I saw the impact, but he, he's beside me, and I want the confirmation that he saw the same. And, you know, I adjusted and shot, you know, uh, I aimed instead of, you know, being on his shoulder, I aimed like six inches below him on that second shot. Pummeled him, yeah. Drilled him. That was that was just great teamwork. Like, no one panicked. We saw the shot. You correct. Because if anybody thinks you're going over, and we, we hunted from, you know, everywhere from basically the desert to the, to the mountains in this month – all different terrains, all different. I mean, we were freezing in, in Winterberg, and we were, you know, almost died of heat strokes in Mozambique and everything in between. But to be able to work together like that and correct and make that shot, it was another advantage of silencers. You know, at that distance, the animals don't know where the shot's coming from, so you have the opportunity for a follow-up shot. But if you think you're going to go and do all that and you're not going to miss or make a bad shot, you're out of your mind. I mean, if you're only going to shoot stuff inside of 100 yards, maybe you could do it. But doing the things we're doing, no. Nah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, no, it's – it's. but that's where we've had the, the advantage. We've been able to – and it comes back down to your 12-inch fix, to the 16, to the 22. We spoilt enough that we've got all those options. And, you know, having them in the back seat, it's like, yeah, this, this is going to be a poke. Yeah. Get out, whoop out the twenty-two inch. Yeah. There you go. So it, it was it was cool that we you know we knew at Mozambique we wanted to test out. Jeez, like, but Mozambique was hot. Eh? It was oh. just, you should have seen Kevin. He was like sweating like a gypsy with a mortgage. He was like fucking panicking. <laughs> That's, I mean, you know, I go hard in the paint. So that was <laughs> that was that was a rough one. All right. Well, that um, we. <laughs> We knew we were going to get after it with 8.6. So I had that 11-inch barrel. We got the silencer on there. But then when we wanted to try to cull some stuff at distance, 
or go to the Winterberg to be able to that one afternoon just pop the scope off the top rail handguard take the barrel out there on the bar yeah. put the 22 inch in there the longer handguard new scope on there and step outside and zero that thing and then thousand yard range that you guys built for us that we got and we could go confirm dope you know all the way out to a thousand and then we're in you know the winterberg mountains the next day shooting you know little tiny technical animals at five and six hundred yards that's just awesome well i think this was my favorite one no unless you change the scope no that's that's not the one yeah you had that 16 inch six five with that vortex on it i think it was a one to ten and no turret or anything you had the reticles yeah that that's a quarter inch gun yeah it probably is Oh, I mean, what, that Black yeah. Wildebeest at 536, whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, 36. Yeah, um, you weren't with us, Thomas, but um, we were doing some calling, and uh, it was just me and Rad. I don't think we had anyone with us. Mm-mm. It was just me and you? We had Desmond running up on the hill there. Or oh, Whitey. Whitey. Whitey, yeah, because you could drive. Um, but, yeah, with that 16-inch fix. Six five because Rattle never shoot and I tried to get him to shoot some stuff. Since we were calling a bunch of stuff, he was getting like all horny about the fix. After you know he saw me and Jared shoot the bless buck far, but yeah, just with the one to ten vortex, a sixteen inch six five. It's a my tech man, driver. My man drilled a wildebeest in the chest at five thirty five, and um, oh, just slayed it, smashed it. Oh, yeah, just, just went down like laid it. right down. Um, what else do you shoot? You shot a. A bless buck with it. Also a bless buck, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that gun's good. Well then at Chris's with that wind blowing and everything and I off the smoked one of those little um a dussy. Dussy. And no one thought that I it had like oh, literally yeah. it had like three inches sticking up out of its hole and I Yeah, it's like groundhog. Pummeled it. Yeah, you're you're right. You said you hit it and I was looking it was so far too. I was looking with binoculars and I thought you skipped it next to it, went down in the hole, and we get over there, and you're like, no, I hit it. And I was like, yeah, I didn't see anything. And we get over there, and it's just laid out dead as hell. That was cool. Yeah, that was a good shot. Yeah, that, gun, that gun's good. They shoot. I'll give you that much. They shoot. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm. Oh, well, what's – so, Bushbuck, what's, what's your favorite uh, – because we're going on an elephant hunt here next next month. So, yep. what's, what's your favorite dangerous game? <coughs> and have you done all of them? Yeah. Yeah. What's your favorite? I would say um, each one's got something different to offer. Yeah. Like, the, let's start with like leopard. Mm. I enjoy the leopard hunting. I've never done leopard with dogs, yeah. I've done baited leopard. And the thing about leopard with bait is he's so intelligent. A leopard is, and a, like a crocodile as well, like extremely intelli- intelligent. Like he's so shifty and shady and cause remember a leopard is not like a pride animal he's by himself yeah i'm glad you're telling the story because i've tried to tell it from what i've learned from you and alex when i was over there on the hunt to explain like why leopard is sort of the apex of that kind of hunting and i'm not sure i did a good job but yeah this is what I, yeah so tell oh, the he's, story. he's a shy animal he's shy uh like a male leopard if he gets injured Let's say he goes in and tries to be a hero and he gets smoked by a bush pig or something and gets cut up. He hunts by himself, alone. He's a lone rider. So 
It's not like a lioness gets caught by a buffalo. She can limp along and follow the pride and they kill a zebra and she can get in there. She's not necessarily going to get the best rum steak, but she'll have something to eat because they look after each other. Whereas a leopard, you know, he's all alone. He, he's got to stay away from hyenas. He's got to stay away from lions. You know, he, he can't afford to get hurt. And yeah, because all the cats hate each other, don't they? They, they don't. Yeah, I mean, um, hyena scraps with everyone. You know, he's like yeah. a Conor McGregor just, just won't get on anyone, just causes shit wherever he goes. Always wanting to fight, you know. So not, not necessarily wanting to fight, but he's there. He's just like yapping in your ear the whole time. He's yeah. just like that little... That la- old little old lady with that like one like a yapper dog, but so yeah, everyone scraps each other. Like a lion and a leopard will sort of stay away from each other, but they do end up scrapping. Um, but a leopard with the baiting, it's not just like sling a piece of meat in the tree and wait for a leopard to come along. It's like you got to where's the water, where's their thick cover, what does the wind do in the evenings, where's you gonna approach from. It's a lot to it, you know, and setting it up so that you either are, your branch has got to be right. Yeah. So you've got the right angle, you've got a silhouetted shot. It's, because often it's like last light. So that's what I enjoy about leopard hunting, is trying to outsmart the cat yeah. and making sure. I mean, I know guys have done it where they've got walk-in blinds or the leopard, you've got a blind set up and he walks in behind that blind. The guys build a dummy blind where leopard comes in behind that blind and you hear him <laughs> oh, oh shit you busted so then they go and build a blind even further back so yeah there's things like that it's outsmarting that thing lion's a lot bolder but it's just it's a lion you know and uh, was, well, you saw the run around we no. had um, and the nice thing is we never had to sit in a blind for that lion we walked in we tracked them you know we Thomas, I mean, I can't tell, like, Lion is very bold and brazen. And at 15 days, it's interesting to see us as, you know, the the five guys hunting it. You know, Rad, John, and Alex, PHs, you know, and Kidmore was with us. And um, we were driving into this site because about a quarter of a mile from the bait site, like one day, 10 feet off the road, there's a lioness laid up against a log with her cubs. And like, you get killed if you walked in there like that. But the 15th day, you know, we're, we, we, though it was so hot, the lions weren't staying on the bait like they normally would. And we're trying to get this done. And we knew that we had a lion on camera, the one that I eventually shot that we wanted. You know, an old one that was scarred up, who is no longer the pride male and had his ass kicked. And, uh, you know, didn't want to shoot one out of the pride. And we walked in. We we snuck in, went around the back of this mountain, like through this path. And it's it's so interesting. Like the first day, if you guys had asked me to do that, I would have like pissed myself. I would have been so terrified, you know, a- after seeing lions the first time. And you're like, holy crap. Because it's not necessarily like... The male lions are generally, as we saw when they woke up and we'd stalked them, they'll run off. But, like, you got a, you got a lioness with cubs on bait or just near it. Like, she's she's just going to fuck you up. And we walked in. And, and you know, so that, to me that was interesting because it was like we got bold like the lions. We, yeah. like, we got to get this done, and we can't drive in there in the truck. They'll fuck off just far enough where you, you can't shoot them. And so us sneaking in there and the whole time I am like, 
you know, I'm in the middle of this line. We're walking in there, just creeping in behind Kidmore. And, um, you know, I'm looking for lions the whole way, and we go up on this ridge. And, I mean, I remember it. So I hugged Kidmore first, like, after I shot it. We're walking through there, and we see uh, near a bait site, we see a lioness and then um, and everything. And then Kidmore spots this lion that we were after walking away and going up the side of the other hill. And we had to get set up. That was so cool because, remember, he that the only place on that whole hillside he could hide – he didn't even know we were there, but he went and laid down right behind this tree, and we couldn't see him and had to wait. But, oh, man, hearing him roar. That's, like hearing that yeah. leopard with a ooh, ooh. I mean, that was so cool to hear that sometimes there in the evenings. when That leopard soaring, yeah. That's, yeah, uh, and and then the lion. I mean, it doesn't yeah. even seem he believable. Hits, gets, into a, gets into a chest cavity. Like, 200 yards away facing the other way. It just, you vibrate. That's, I mean, that's, so lion, that's the reason I like hunting lion, like. <sighs> I haven't done lots of lion, but the ones that I have done, it's that's why. And then you get to like elephant. Elephant is there's many different ways. Some areas like you can track them. Yeah, you can track long time. You know, it just depends. Every, every there's no set way to say that this is elephant hunting. Sometimes there's a lot of it's spot, like in Botswana and some of their flat areas. Instead of tracking elephants. All the time, they've got the setup on the back of their Land Cruisers where they, got, they can stand up and hold a bar that, that folds up. So, you know, where you're sitting on the back of a Land Cruiser and, you, you know, where your head height is, they'll be standing. at you know, Their feet will be your head height and then they'll be... So they're getting, like, way above the Land Cruiser and they can spot elephant far away and you know, they walk in. Well, the thing I, about elephant is that personal thing of getting close. It's a, such a huge animal yeah because i would assume that's the way we would hunt them in mozambique where we were if if we had the privilege of shooting an elephant there would just be you ride around there were so many elephants you just find like we saw five or six that were awesome unreal and then then you just have to try to get after them that way yeah spotting them especially when there's a, a a group of bulls together is spotting them is one thing getting close getting in close enough and for me it's pointless getting in there and shooting 11 from 50 yards away that's, that's not why you're doing it you know if it's wounded for sure but your first shot I, you know it doesn't appeal to me at all you want to get in that 20 yard range and every ph has got different so i'm the authority on it and Everyone's got different opinions as to how they want to approach it. Sure. Some guys want to get maybe 12, 15 yards. I don't feel comfortable at that distance. I just think there's just so much can go wrong and, and go quickly. Yeah. So I'm more of a 15-yard, 20-yard. I like that distance because there's a little bit of time to play with. Something happens, you know. You can shuffle, take a step here, take a step there if you need to. So, that, But it's getting close. And I mean, when you see elephants far away, it's like, oh, you're a big animal. You walk up and you're 20 yards, 15 yards away from the elephant and it's standing freaking 11 foot of the shoulder. That's a big animal. That, I know the, the two elephant stories or encounters that we've had together that stand out to me were, um, I think I said it on a podcast before too, but the, the one where we thought maybe it was dead 
<laughs> lying down like an yeah. off that thing. So, so Rad, Rad spots this elephant lying down with its back to us in, in this like thin timber. I don't know, maybe like 30, 40 yards from us. Like it was, it was close. And uh, so Alex threw a rock towards it, sort of. But it, it was a terrible throw. It was terrible. He should be embarrassed. Alex, <laughs> Alex McDonald from McDonald Safaris. If you, if anybody wants to send him a DM about his throwing arm, um, <laughs> he's not paying for the Red Sox. That's for that. <laughs> no, <laughs> but he he you know just to to see if the elephant would wake up, and of course it was loud. But to watch an animal, seeing it lying down, it was just different than when we were seeing him walking around. But that thing leapt up like a cat. I was stunned and shocked at how fast it, a fucking elephant jumped up. And then it was so close. I mean, you know, we just, like, scared the shit out of it. It was sleeping. And we wanted to make sure it wasn't dead or injured or, or anything. And it jumped up. And that's where I realized, like, to me, you say 11 feet at the shoulder. Like, to me, it seemed like it was three stories tall. And then I'm like, I'm scared. Like, these are just little trees. And it could run right through these things and smash us if it wanted to. Oh, and, and then... I wasn't so scared the second time. That was a big elephant that we startled. But um, the second time, I think I told that one too, where we're like, yeah, we're on the river and we came back that night and the elephant, that little cow elephant with some adolescence came up over the hill close to us. and uh, uh, One of the skew tusks. Yeah. And, yeah. and we see the two, when I saw the two trackers jump over the, like from the back of the land cruiser over it and, ran i was like oh it's getting getting serious um but yeah I, I, yeah i thought for a minute you were you were about to shoot an elephant no yeah, mock I mean, charged you, us a couple of times yeah. and it was like I, just, I wasn't scared because you were there with a gun i mean i mean i, wasn't, I don't know when you, when you told nervous. me to put my drink down and get my gun i thought oh shit okay yeah you just want to be yes because you've seen the pace that they can move it and yeah fast you sit there all blase and because they, they look slow but they're not they cover ground oh they cover ground fast and it's one of those animals, and it's the same as following buffalo or wounded buffaloes. Never get complacent. Like yeah. the, when you start getting complacent, you're like all chilled with it. That's when shit goes wrong. Like I saw this thing and I'm like, there's a 99.99% chance that nothing's going to happen. Oh, but she, don't take she, it for granted. Mark charged twice. Yeah, she got close. Yeah. You know, and it was like, if she When, came, when you started yelling at me, I knew it was serious. When they jumped off the truck, but sometimes like, yeah, I, I, I've seen them overreact to some things. Like, you know, Thomas can testify to Desmond climbing a tree and whatnot. But, um, <laughs> it but was man. A second animal ever being so I understand. Don't worry, I'm with you. Well, um, <laughs> that was interesting. So I can't wait for the elephant. I think that's the one I'll actually be scared on. Mm. Like, the, the, the lion, like any cat, makes me a little nervous. I think it's just a little part of my brain, you know, like they can just like. Cat, they remind you of a woman. They like. Mm. <laughs> it's shifty it's shady it's like you can get hurt well especially when you see a lion and, and it's different than like a cougar or something that's gonna like you hiss know. at you <sighs> yeah or, or or even get a hold of you and it's not like they can't kill you but like a lion could literally slap your head off well, your you shoulder. saw a lion's skull i mean literally just well, bite you on the top of your head and just go <clears throat> or just slap you i mean when see you know you see like a mountain lion and it's it's horrifying but it's not like the thing's going to, you know, slap your head off your shoulders. I mean, it's going to bite you or cut you up and stuff. But, like, a lion could literally, like, like a, a big grizzly. It could just, like, knock your head off. I mean, it's its forearms are this big. Yeah. It's, inc like, it's amazing to see. Um, 
Well, you know, it's the, I, I think that's the appeal and the interest of the, the, the dangerous game hunting is getting close yeah. because I think, you know, after I remember Thomas and I were in the airport leaving after we did the first Buffalo with eight, six and, you know, you and I shot it at nine yards. Like it was, it was close. But that's kind of what I was expecting, and that was the cool part of that hunt to me. And we were at the airport, and there's this guy probably my age, a couple years older, and he's all, like, got to go on his dream hunt he's wanted to do for 20 years, and he tells us he shot a buffalo. And, it, you know, and I'm like, oh, man, that's awesome. And um, he's asking us a lot of questions, but he uh, – and I asked him what he used to shoot it with. I think he had a 375, and I was like, how far did you shoot? And it was like 120 or 150 yards. But – I wasn't going to say anything about mine. Thomas couldn't help himself. He's like, we shot one at nine yards. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought the same thing, like 150 yards. Yeah, that's like going to shoot a black Angus in South Texas or something. I mean, to me, it'd be like taking a like a gun to like, like a MMA fight or something. Like, why, what? Like the, the beauty of, of, yeah, I think the dangerous game is that it's dangerous. And there's no danger in shooting one at 150 yards. He also shot it out of a group. Like it was oh, a I herd. Yeah. yeah, there's some places like, there's some places where you don't get those dugger boys, but you get a pile of bulls in the herd. So you're like northern Mozambique in the swamps. Um, that hunt is physically challenging. Like it's, you wading through water, it's hot. It, it is tough. I mean, it is, it's a different type of hunt. And, you know, if you if you want to shoot a buffalo close there, you can. Like, you just got to get in, in between the papyrus and the phragmates and all of that, and you can work your way in. And, and guys do that. I mean, they, to you. they shot a, lot, a pile of stuff uh, with bows, you know. <coughs> and there's some magnificent oh, wow. areas up there. I mean, they, they really are. I mean, there's some fantastic areas up there. And, um, but yeah, they, they don't get like the Duggar Boy herds. They never have to split away. Often, Duggar Boys, everyone says, and you know, some guys. So Dugger boy is as that mud, means like mud. mud. Dugger, dugger is mud, yeah. And, and so, and, and that typically refers to an old, yeah, an bull. old, you know, old bull. But Kate, Kate everyone thinks that a herd of bulls, and there's some old bulls in there. Everyone's like, oh, okay, this old bull's being kicked out of the herd. Buffalo is one of the only animals that the bulls don't get kicked out. I mean, he may get when it comes to breeding, he may get thumped by another bull to breed a cow but in a big herd of 300 you'll have 10 bulls in there breeding the cows you know you'll i mean i've seen it where there's a herd and you'll see like three different bulls at the same time mounting cows they don't get kicked out they move away on their own accord because and i know this where i've seen and i remember seeing it when in the zambezi valley when i was working in zambia and i've seen it in Hoodsprite, where in the Baluli Conservancy, where yeah. we also do some hunting, for three years in a row, I saw a bull in a bachelor herd. Three times, like, and over three years, seeing that exact same, and it was, it was the shape of his horns that you couldn't mistake him. Mm. We actually had, on the third year, we actually had a client who shot him. But I saw him three times in a bachelor herd. But I also seen that exact same bull in the breeding herd. They don't get kicked out. They move out on their own. And quite often they move out because a herd's got to travel big distances to when you've got cows and calves and you've got 100, 200 animals, whatever it is. They have to cover distance to graze and get water and enough food, especially when it starts getting a bit tough. You know, it gets drier months. Where the, the bulls, 
you get them, and there will be some bulls that stay with the herd, but then you'll get some bulls that are pretty clever, and they move out, and they form a little bachelor herd, and then they live close to water, close to food, they don't have to travel far, and they put weight on, and they bulk up. Come breeding season, they're back in the herd, and there they are, <laughs> you know, servicing the old lady. And that's how it works. So that's that's the whole the the buff. I don't even know how we got into the subject. Let's well, we're just talking about the uh, well. I think just the 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 dangerous game. What's your favorite? And, and then yeah, just the. I mean, I think where you went off on these tangents is interesting. Oh, the questions that I should have asked. Like what's what's unique about each one, and what makes each yeah. one desirable or interesting to do. Well, yeah, you're talking about that guy shooting at 150 yards. Some places. They shoot out of a herd because they have no option. Like they don't find bulls. Oh, on their they own. can't find. Yeah, because because you typically don't want to shoot out of a herd, right? Because it can be more dangerous. And then if you wound one, like finding that one exactly. once it goes in and shooting it, and not making a mistake and yeah. shooting the wrong one. And a big thing as well is is disturbing and pushing upsetting the herd. The herd. Yeah. You know, for herds in your area, bulls are in your area. But like those places in Mozambique where they sometimes do, you get clients that physically can't get closer or can't spend any more time out there and they end up shooting from 100 yards away but they got so many buffalo there they're never shooting out the same herd all the time yeah they do but it's not like you're pressurizing two herds 24 7 yeah and those bulls because there's so much water there's so much food that those bulls don't ever have to leave the herd yeah so but yeah, buffalo. Every situation is different. What about? Well, let me ask you about this because I, I I know this when when because I want to ask you um, some dumb American questions. Okay. But but with some of the hunting, so we we don't and and I kind of went into what I've learned from you and Alex about not shooting like a lion out of the pride and how yeah. you want to shoot an older one and how there's a lot that goes into it. We saw so many lions before we actually shot one. So yeah. and, and uh, but with elephants, so so I learned this, and I didn't know it um, until I spent time with you guys. Uh, so if you call, like you have to call ele- elephants, like it's amazing in, in the destruction that the elephants do. And people say those sorts of things, but seeing it firsthand, it's like seeing, you know, anything else. It's kind of unbelievable. But we watched elephants almost every day. We would see elephants push a tree over, eat one branch and walk away like a 60 year old tree and then you would see areas where the elephants travel a lot to where there'd be a hundred acres where there's not a tree that's not broken or or, or knocked down like every single yeah. tree it was so so like that habitat for all of those birds and animals and cats and everything else is destroyed now yeah so that's this is a subject that i mean you could do an entire podcast just on this subject and it's a it's one that frustrates not just the hunting community, but anyone that's a conservationist. I, I can imagine after spending so much time there and, you, you know, knowing a lot of the indigenous people there at this point and meeting people from the communities and where they're putting up fences and stuff to keep elephants away because there's so many elephants and they destroy their, their homes, they destroy all, everything oh. that they're growing, all of their fences for their cattle and their sheep. The corn. And, and people don't understand. So, like, I think part of the American ignorance is we think Africa is upset with us and um, about hunting or whatever. But all the indigenous people in Africa, like, they have no fucking use for lions. They have no use for elephants other than food. Like, they hate them. 
Yeah. And and they need the population managed, and they want us to come there and shoot them. Like all they do, like I learned on that trip, it's like all the communities, they just um, uh, snare and kill all the lions. Because, mm. you know, if lions find this where they're raising cattle, oh, what easy food. Like the lion literally has all of its food in a pen. All it's got to do is jump a little fence, go in there and kill a cow. And then it's got food. So so the indigenous people are snaring these things and killing them. And Poisoning they get, them all sorts. Yeah, yeah. and you get, they get nothing for them. And when we were on the hunt, too, remember they flew the helicopter in because there was an elephant that had a snare on it. Yeah. And his foot was all swollen. And they darted it and got the snare shot off. It. Yeah, I mean, they should have just shot it. There's so many elephants there. I, I don't... I mean, we could have shot 50 elephants on that one piece of property and not noticed a difference. In, in oh, no. Yeah, it's, and that's the... You know, we do trophy hunting. Yeah. I and mean, you also get non-trophy hunting and non-exportable elephants. But it's got to the point now where Southern Africa as a whole, South Africa, I mean, you just take Kruger National Park, for example. Yeah. They've got like, the last figure I heard of it, and I may be mistaken, so don't so quote 12, me, but 000? it's at least 12,000 too many elephants above carrying capacity. 12,000. And then you've got most southern like Mozambique. People. Like elephants are huge. They eat a ton. They're very destructive. Well, an elephant is, is the, has the most inefficient digestive system. It's got not like a, uh, a buffalo or something. It's got a ruminant. You know, it's got four yeah. stomachs. It goes from here to there to there. You know, I'm not a vet, so, but I mean, I understand it. An elephant's got one giant stomach. I mean, you see those older bulls where he'll just take an orange and just bite it once and chuck it in. Or marula fruit. They usually roll them on their molars. But you'll get elephant shit where, I mean, it's a freaking thing like this. You can literally break it open. You'll find a marula fruit. It has not been touched. It hasn't been rolled on a molar. Nothing. It's just whole. You could literally wash it off and eat it. And they are taking a dump every 20 minutes, 20 to 30 minutes. They're just eating. A big elephant bull will consume 500 pounds of food a day 500 pounds yeah and I mean, you start thinking about when you say carrying capacity how much land you have to have for that and think about it 500 pounds and we would see that's a big bull i mean 200 well call it 300 pounds we would see 200 elephants in a day yeah so you start doing that kind of math and it's well, like oh you look at the kruger national park when it was formed look at the canopy trees talking their big Big acacias, their marulas, their, you know, you ask any of those guys that have worked in Kruger, any of those, I mean, then there's some brilliant guys there. Even the the greater Kruger, which is Klaseri, Timbavati, Baluli, Imbabat, you look at the canopy trees. What's happened to them? The Botswana. On the property we were on, you know, around you and Alex saying that five years ago, like, oh, obviously, like obviously where we had difference. that one big lake and where we had a bait near it and that you guys said you used to park under those Destroyed. shade trees and there's have no lunch. trees there it's yeah just there's been, no trees they and you know shooting the elephants that we shoot is great for helping the community <coughs> out and they get the meat and then obviously money that comes in and all that money goes back to making roads anti-poaching all that sort of stuff but what needs to happen is, is we need, they need to cull elephants. And like Kruger National Park needs to cull. And when you cull... Yeah, this is what I herd, wanted to get to because I didn't understand this about culling. Explain like when you cull elephants, how you have to so, do it. So, I mean, I, I uh, was fortunate enough when I worked in Zambia to 
the guys that I worked for had done culling in the past. So I got, I learned a little, and the Zimbabweans had the best system. There was a guy called Clem Kutsia. He, he, he was brilliant. And the guys, it's not a big up, it's not like a SWAT team coming down. The guys used to have three guys. You'd have like a left flank, a right flank, and a center, right? And when you do this, you, you, you find a herd, and they'll have a, a plane like a, a Super Cub or something flying, and the guys used to wear hats with orange on top, and they want to have radio comms, and they fly above. Now, this is back then. I don't know, I don't know if there's any sort of modern-day culling at the moment, but this is in, uh, in the 80s, wasn't it? They shot 36,000 elephants in six years. Is the numbers that I was told by a guy who was involved, whether he had his numbers right or wrong, not 100% so sure. So 6,000, 20 elephants a day, basically. Yeah, if you do the maths. But, I mean, the biggest herd they ever shot was something like 98 elephants in one herd. So you go in, they plane flies, finds a herd. Mm. Okay, guys, you need to move here, you need to move there. And basically they get the direction the herd's moving and they set it up. So you got the guy in the front who would be your point man. Mm-hmm. So he's center. And then you've got a left flank and a right flank. So you form a triangle. And you wait for the herd to move in. And it comes in. And back then when they did it, they each guy had a 458. And you would shoot. So you waited until no one could shoot till like point man shot. So he would wait till the elephant gets Makes here. Sense. And then as he shoots, then the left and right flank will start shooting and you've all had 458s and then you had gun bearers behind you they were carrying fns with uh 308s 762 shoot the, yeah, the outside so elephants the, 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 the big elephants military gun though. yeah shoot your big elephants with the 458 to get the penetration penetration and done that go then you grab your fn and then so you shoot you shoot the whole herd and the you entire start, herd you, you start, everything you start with the big bulls well, well not necessarily the bulls it's often big cows yeah um you know i know that back then if the if a big bull you know see bulls move in and out of the herd he's not always entirely with the herd so it's not as a traumatic experience for a big old bull as it is for the cows who are a family group they're extremely sensitive so, so the, you can't so just go shoot a couple you, cows and you got to kill them all all of them because this whole thing of shooting at like four or five cows, it's traumatic. I mean, I'm not saying that I like it, or, but it's necessary. Yeah. So you go and you smack the whole herd. Big elephants first with your big calibers, yeah, and then and you just... Boop, boop, and you, from you, you do that, I mean, unlike a lot of other animals, but you do it because it's so... The animal, the elephants are so sensitive to it and it traumatize them. Yeah, they, they're it, highly this, intelligent. I mean... Is this when elephants like get traumatized like that or the ones that go bananas and like yeah you can have i mean everyone's got different theories and stories about it but you don't want to encourage that you know you don't want to go and shoot the big elephant cows and those youngsters learn to they smell a human or they they go they're highly intelligent eh? extreme extreme intelligent animals so you want to go and it's like you would you rather have you know you got your family would you rather like have your wife, and then pick one of your three kids that dies. If, if you had two or three people die in your family, you'd be traumatized. You'd rather just all go out together. I mean, it's a pretty hectic example, but... Yeah, I see what you're saying. And then the elephants, I mean, they actually mourn. They mourn, other, you know, other elephants in their 
group and they heard, they heard dying. So this isn't just like a, a, a theory that you've seen by one group that does the culling or yourself. This is this is like widely known and accepted in Africa. Like that's the way you cull elephants. Yeah, I mean, and there may be different techniques now, yeah. um, and different ways of doing it, but that's the way you you know the way that I know of. Some guys it's may disagree with me. Word. But it's the whole herd. I don't think you'll find anyone that disagrees with that theory. So how to shoot them, people yeah. may have different ideas. Yeah. But the entire herd is, I, will, I would bet top dollar that 99.99% of anyone else who agrees with the culling will agree that they understand it. take the yeah, whole it's, herd it's, off. It's so interesting because like raising whitetail and having a, a farm where I did that, you know, when you talk about culling here, you know that's that's very different you know like a whitetail you just you know you pick whatever you don't want and you yeah. just shoot it and yeah elephants so, are, yeah that was interesting to to learn about that with with elephants and also seeing it's so crazy that we don't encourage we're just so ignorant to it well, i mean africans have to be very unimpressed with frustrated with americans like yeah with the elephant people sitting or so far away because yeah. you, you know you think like people say oh my god how could you shoot that lion and it's like well why aren't you mad at like it's stupid first of all like understanding conservation but why aren't you mad at the 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 local community the village that snares them and shoots them in the head or poisons them or you know and just throws them in the ditch uh, like so so now i go over there and that's like half so the we had a lot of people supporting us on the hunt from the local community, whether yeah. it was the trackers or the maids, the cook, everyone. And, you know, understanding that my one hunt is half their money for the year. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, and, that's and that's the thing. is Over a lion that they would kill if they had the opportunity and get nothing thing. from it. If it pays, it stays. Yeah. I mean, you look at no, everyone wants to like, and it's the emotional attachment to the whole hunting thing. And, a simple example is rhino. Rhino in the Kruger National Park were, they were put there. They came from like KwaZulu oh, really? Natal. Yeah, they were there, and then, but they got reintroduced there. They just the numbers got boosted. So how it happened was is just a very rough example. I mean, I'm not, I don't know the full details, but in KwaZulu Natal, the farmers were approached and were like, hey. They realized that the numbers were declining and was like, hey, do you guys want rhino? Cattle ranches and whatever, like rhino. What the hell? Why do I want a rhino? One rhino eats the equivalent of three cows. Yeah, I mean, because you don't understand, too, until you see them, how yeah. big a rhino is. It's it's a big animal. It's, it's closer to the size of an elephant than a cow. Yeah, so they, they went back to the drawing board, and then they reapproached the farmers. And it's guys who had hunting operations as well. And they were like, okay, here's the deal. We'll give you rhino. If you look after these rhino and then their population grows and they get to a sustainable level on your size property, we'll give you permits, legal permits, to shoot and export those rhinos. Game farms overnight. Yeah, it, it is interesting. It's, and that's it's, how the numbers came back up. It's so counterintuitive if you're just ignorant to it or you don't hunt. You know, I mean, for you, Thomas, never being involved in any of that, to think, I mean, I assume this is what you would think. It's what I would have thought that, yeah, you, you wouldn't think that hunting is the real reason there are any animals left in Africa. 
Yeah, it was a it was a huge uh, learning experience, like listening to all these things and like because like even now that I'm like after coming back from these hunts, um, you know, I've never been on and none of my people, um, you know, in my friend group and family do any of this. Um, and they all have these like uh, preconceived notions of it's the like, same way, such yeah, ignorance. We exactly. just don't know. And then now that like even like some of my vegan friends, right, my like hippy dippy like friends whom I love, right, and they respect me and they. Like when they say, oh, you're going to do you came back from the hunt, whatever. And I uh, give them the business, you know, I give them the information that I had received and it changes their tune. They're like, oh, I didn't think about it like that. I didn't, you know, and it's I, it's a real thing. And it resonates even with people that have are stuck in their ways, like even in the opposite direction. Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, because y- you and I have a lot of things in common. Uh, we, we love art and, you know both creative and market all those things but we're also very different you know but i grew up like you none of my people hunted did any of that and i was just exposed to it and i was just ignorant i didn't know but i don't think there's any way you take a, a sane person over there and take them on a hunt and you see the full experience like there ain't no employees of crusaders who work there doing the fences the cattle sheep any of that that are not stoked when we're there because they yeah. they are getting to eat better. I mean, they get to eat the meat. Um, you, you know, they they're making more money. It, it's like it's it's wonderful. But yeah, I, just understanding that in places where they don't have hunting, they probably don't have many animals. Because, Kenya, yeah, so Kenya, Kenya. The animals are all gone now. No, there's places that got animals, and no one wants to use it. Like everyone thinks that they can do it differently. You get these anti hunters <coughs> and whatever, and they. They never want to use Kenya as an example because they think that, well, it'll be different this time. It never ends up different. You've got to be like bloody Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates rich to be able to fund. And you can't fund the whole of an entire country if you shut the hunting down. Like, that's a, and the thing is, anti-hunters is that I've got no problem if you don't like hunting. Sure. But understand that hunting serves a purpose. So you don't have to kill anything. Yeah, I mean, it's being dishonest. Like, you're just having an emotional response. Look what's happened. Prime example, look what happened in Kenya. Look what happened there. What what happened? Well, I mean, they stopped hunting. And all those hunting areas are are not not, not farmland. I mean, they've still got national parks and they've got these NGOs that are involved to keep certain, you know, some places going. But a lot of those hunting areas are... Spending all the tax dollars to try to, yeah preserve some animals that hunting dollars would do a much better For job free. at yeah and, and, it, and it wouldn't be taxation on on no, the people. you look in tanzania some uh. of the some of the there's pressure there and guys give up hunting areas well then you get cattle moving and they start felling trees and cutting and making charcoal and then you've got little agricultural crops coming up and and so then they're killing the animals. Exactly. So literally you'll get anti-hunters that will protect animals to death. They'll protect them so much that they end up dying, that yeah. they don't have the funding. And it's very easy to vote on something or, you know, you have these whatever you know, these forums and anti this. And then you've, oh, you think you've yeah, done, your, s- done your part s- by shutting Botswana down. I know. S- elephants. S- so, like I would get what, and I've gotten less hate. I mean, I, I get a fair amount from the, you know, the the 25 anonymous dudes online. Uh. I hate, but I, I got less from hunting than I thought I would get. But 
you know, I was able even online because, you know, I'll respond to or engage like anything. I don't give a fuck. Right. And some yeah. people, when they say, how could you do that? You know, like shoot a line. I said, well, okay, here, here's the actual real story. Yeah. Uh, like, so this, I don't know. This, there would be no lions in this area because the villagers would kill them all. There were none. There <laughs> used to be none. Yeah. And like hunting. So it just seems so counterintuitive that the real conservation is from hunting. Well, I mean, there's some unbelievable. You look at uh, Zambezi Delta Safaris, for example, Mark Haldane, and he's got a few partners, but. You look what he did. He went into Mozambique and the Katadas, which is the swamps, Maramua Swamp, or, you know, near Maramua. And they went in there in, in the 90s. There was like 2,000 buffalo there, 70 sable. There's over 2,000, 3,000 sable there now. There's over 22,000 buffalo there now. Where do you, was that an NGO? Was that... The government? No, I mean, people thinking that, that the government... That was hunters. Yeah, I mean, I, it, it is ridiculous when people want to make laws that the government do it because, like, what the fuck is the government good at? Nothing. Taking your fucking money. <laughs> Don't even get me started. Let's just stop that right there and just but, divert but from the whole government. The, doing the conservation. Well, it's so aggravating to me because understanding... Like, for me, I've grown... Like, growing up here, Thomas, you probably felt the same way. Like, we're just stupid kids growing up here. Elephants are at the circus, at the zoo. See them on TV. Elephants are so cool. They're so cute. They're so nice. They'll, you know, they'll put the, the beach ball on their trunk and do the shit. But it's like, elephants are fucking horrible. Like, you go over there and you see the destruction. And now, like, with me loving hunting, like, I can't wait to go on an elephant hunt. And not because I'm angry at an elephant. It's like, I love that hunt. But I hate the elephant because, like, I love all the other animals. That's and the thing. It, it's no like, one... oh, well, now there's no leopards here because elephants, like, knock all the fucking trees down. Look at the there's no kudu because they don't have a place to hide. Like, it but sucks. You look at the Chobe National Park, right? No, yeah. That's Zambia, Zimbabwe, Botswana, where we are. Yeah. Look at that. Look at that park. That's a photographic, no hunting. Go and look what the elephants have done there. Oh, Oh, isn't that where that sign is that says something about the trees? Like at that oh, park, my, it says yeah. something about there's a plaque on a, uh, on a fence says be. something about these trees. You know, there's over 5,000 of these trees and blah, blah, blah. And where that plaque is now, you can't see any of the trees. The oh, elephants yeah, have knocked them so all down. I remember down. seeing that. There was some. Uh, Alex, Alex showed, showed me that. It, but I mean, that's prime example. And, I've, and it was like some like rare tree in Africa. And this was the biggest population. Might have been it. in Kruger. And they did. It may, it was a maybe. photograph in Kruger, I think, coming down. But it's, Yeah, and there's none of those trees left anymore because no. the elephants are overpopulated and so, knocked all the trees yeah, down. Elephants have got their place. Sure. Don't get me wrong. And I love an elephant. But yeah. what I don't like is the emotional factor attached to an elephant buy your greenies but all nice like it, yeah, buy it's, your aunties it's, it's just it's ignorance i mean you, you imagine in america like as spoiled as we are if there was shit roaming around here that could push your house over like it wouldn't take too long when a car no. gets turned over your house is smashed before the you know those same karens are like shoot those fucking elephants exactly but stop you know being a couch couch pirate and the and what annoys me is these other governments, whether it's Germany or America, where the Mo the Botswana government or the South African government says, right, we're going to go and cull 5,000 elephants in Kruger. Or Botswana. Needs Botswana needs to shoot like 50,000, 60,000 elephants. Yeah, that's amazing. Like you can't even. And they want to do something like that. They get 
foreign pressure from an anti-hunting community. It's so bullshit. Somebody to say, oh no, hold on. You can't, if you do that, we're going to stop your funding for this. Th- this, is, this is like the haters of any kind on social media. It's why I can laugh about it. And I just think they're so stupid and such. Ju- like you're anonymous or you get on and you say something online, your computer, um, or you send a $25 check every year to some conservation thing. And it's like, Spend 50 grand and go shoot an elephant. Like I was going to say, I've probably spent a million dollars on conservation. So, you know, shut the fuck up. Exactly. You know, like I, I know what most of the money when I go to Africa and hunt, I know where most of that money is going. Anti poaching, you know, all helicopters. All you've got fits, guys that come in to shoot rhino. Yeah. You've got helicopters in the sky. You've got that all costs money. And. Uh, it's just a, it's, it's a story that you, you'll go around and around in circles with it uh, uh, with then but I'm, I'm with you elephants it's it's like and i've said it on here before uh whether any dangerous game any game at all it's like you know there are places where uh you and i have hunted and we could shoot you know two elephants a day and never make a dent you know or yeah. but there's other places where yeah there's not a big population of animals and, yeah, and you don't hunt them there you know well, there's or certain places in Namibia we got because uh, it's desert they don't have a very high carrying capacity but I think in a lot of places where everyone just and they love to do this when it when it's when it suits them they'll separate when it doesn't suit them they just lump everything into one thing like your forest elephant going into Cameroon Congo CRR those places yes they've got pressure. But that's a whole other thing. That's like, they get guys coming down from Sudan, the Sudanese, and these militia groups that poach elephant oh, for, their for their ivory, and then it goes wherever else it goes. It goes to terrorism, it goes to whatever. They, well, it's actually more important to probably hunt them there because that's how you can get conservation and protection for the animals. Well, the big thing is, is being, able to, being allowed. So the difference between they do hunt and... Do they not allow you to export? They some uh depends on which country. Or America doesn't allow you to import. Oh, America doesn't allow you to do anything. It's just oh, it yeah. Um but other thing there is being allowed to have a conservation force. So it's expensive, it's far, it's out of the yeah. way. Those elephants, yes, are under a little bit of pressure, but they don't have massive quotas. But those are a separate category. Taking Namibia, Botswana, South Africa, Zimbabwe, Zambia, Mozambique, Tanzania, mm. especially Zim, Zambia, South Africa, Botswana, Southern Mozambique. Like, we have got a problem. And no one wants to, yeah, well, a lot of people acknowledge it, but a lot of people don't want to acknowledge it. They turn a blind eye to what's actually going on. Yeah. And all those cute little animals that look like Bambi, you're pushed back, you're this, you're that, they're dying out. They, I mean, they are under serious pressure. Their habitat is being birds, insects, like, the yeah, knock-on effect is huge, and no one wants to acknowledge that. You know, it's because I, I, I'm not even into, like, wing shooting, like, bird hunting and all, and I'm sure I will be eventually. But what not it amazing, Thomas, just riding around in Africa, like, the amount of birds, like, that just the species, we would see a hundred different beautiful birds a day. You know, like, because you, you're telling me your, your, your dad is a bird. Yeah, my dad's the – I know I know two types of bird. Yeah. <laughs> So ones you eat and ones you don't edible non-edible yeah. so so but seeing them there like i don't care about birds here at all like i'm glad we have them or whatever and it's cool seeing like that bald eagle in the yard but but there it is are you short as a bald eagle it's so bald could have been a crow it could have been um 
but so many beautiful birds there. Like I became fascinated riding around in Mozambique or wherever. Just oh, it's stunning. A lot of like, crested rollers. Oh, and, yeah. yeah. You and John with all your bird facts and Alex and I are like, what the hell? It looks just like the, the other bird. The but sacred tree bird. The secretary bird. The sacred tree bird. It's what it sounds like in their in their uh, their accent. Uh, John, we were rolling with John. Sacred he's tree like, bird. Hey, there's the sacred tree bird, and we're like, sacred tree bird. He I think said, it's been changed. I don't know if it offended someone for typing or whatever it was, but it's no longer called the secretary bird. Is any chance that secretary oh, bird? Secretary. 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 Oh fuck you guys! It's like you guys are the only country in the world that says. Aluminum. Everyone else says aluminium and America says aluminum. <laughs>